Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. We have made it with you to Friday. 28th day of August, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. When we roll back in here on Monday for Southern Miss football, we will be in game week. And we will be one weekend closer to the start of the college football season for the other two teams in the state of Mississippi. They're still playing this year, Mississippi State and Ole Miss. And, you know, we've talked about it, and and I've used the analogy, and I'm just going to keep on using it, a little, little cross-sport analogy. Golf term, can't birdie them all if you don't birdie the first one. Well, never mind. We uh, we can't play all of the games if we don't play a game. So let's just keep on one step, followed by another, followed by another, getting a little bit closer to the start of the season. Sports Talk Mississippi, you know by now the C Spire text line is always open to you. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Eight seven nine four three nine five. Bull. There's a lot of it in wireless, but C Spire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. Here's the real deal. The best plan for one or two lines, period. Unlimited talk and text, 10 gigabytes of high-speed data, 45 bucks a line with auto pay and paperless billing. Without auto pay, it's only $50 a month. So how's that for fine print? No bull. That's the real deal. Switch today at cspire.com slash real deal. And I actually got a uh, an email from Seaspire this morning. If you're thinking about adding a line, maybe you have a son or daughter or a spouse that you're ready to add to your plan. They've got an awesome deal going through the weekend, and it's um, with a, a 30 month payment. You can get an iPhone 11 for just five dollars a month on your bill for the uh, the next 30 months. That is, I mean, that that's Michael Borky's. Frothy latte with uh, you know two shots and double Splenda. I had some really oh. bad coffee about an hour ago, so I'm feeling that one especially. But that makes me want to because I've got one of these little pop sockets. You ever seen one of these? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, my kid loves it. Like we spend money on toys, and you can put sure. toys next to him, and he's like, "Oh, I want to just push that thing down." Might just spend the five dollars a month to give him my old iPhone that barely works, that won't update anymore. There you go. And spend the five bucks on a new iPhone 11, and just let him have a phone at ten months. There you go. You can go in and you can do the uh, the auto pay and the uh, paperless billing. Forty five dollars a month. Great plan. Inexpensive phone, but a great phone. What a, what a what a time to be alive working with Ceasefire. Hey, Dad, what's up? Hey, what's up, man? Uh, you bailed just a few minutes early yesterday, but it was to go and cover the events that were going on in Starkville, Mississippi State's football team having its um, demonstration. Uh, 
passed on practice yesterday as a team came together to uh, to protest some of what was going on. What was that scene like? Uh, it was interesting, you know, to, to see them all there. I, I, I didn't really know Describe what to make for me. Well, I mean, the whole team was there. Uh, they, they, you know, Where all were in they? masks uh, at Unity Park. Is that on campus? No, it's off campus. It's uh, okay. It's, it's downtown. Okay. Um, and you know they didn't. I, I thought that maybe they were somebody was going to speak or something, but it, there really wasn't anything like that. It, it, it was just sort of they were just sort of out there. Uh, they talked to each other, but they didn't really talk. You know, there were only a few of us out there from the media. Um, and then they just went their separate ways, and it was just sort of a moment more than anything else. Do you think it was symbolic in nature? Yes and no. Yes and no. I mean, obviously there's some symbolism there, too, but I believe that they want to try to use their platform for change. Okay. Something similar is happening in Hattiesburg this evening. Southern Miss is not practicing. I I feel like the significance of Southern Miss not practicing with a football game six days away is a little bit different than Mississippi State not practicing yesterday and Ole Miss not practicing today. The Ole Miss football team today did something similar to what happened in Starkville, similar to what happened in Lexington. Uh, they marched as a team with Lane Kiffin right there leading the way from, I think they started at the football facility and walked as a group to the square, and they stood in um, protest, I guess, under the uh, kind of in the shadow of the Confederate statue on the uh, the south side of the Oxford Square, and then they made a loop around the square and marched back to the uh, to the football facility. And there was law enforcement present to make sure that uh, that everything remained peaceful. And you're getting this in a lot of different places. Um, and, and again, the, I, I asked the question about symbolism. Not because I am trying to, um, not in any way trying to belittle the statement that these teams are trying to make. I, I'm just curious, like, is there a next step for for these teams? Well, I mean, you asked that about the NBA. And I did. if you look, you saw today, they got some things done. They got some 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 movement, some change in, in you know things that they wanted done done. Money being donated, uh, you know, awareness being raised, some some changes in policies, things of that nature. So, I mean, I don't know if it's. it's I mean, I don't know what that's going to happen. I don't. I don't think that that's. You know, I don't know that college football players missing a practice that's going to be rescheduled uh, will lead to any kind of huge change in this country, but. Everything is just a step right this second. You just you take a step, and then you see where the next step takes you. And that was the step that these teams have decided to take today and yesterday. By the way, you can add uh, Tennessee and LSU from the SEC to the list of teams who have, have done it, and Oklahoma as well uh, on a national scale so far. Yeah, so, so I guess Tennessee's got something going, but Tennessee also um, canceled its practice today. Not because of anything protest related, but because they've got some uh, some positive COVID tests. And Jeremy Pruitt was pretty straightforward. He didn't give a specific number, but he said, other than one week in July, after we let the the team go for a week or a long weekend or whatever it was around the fourth of July, they came back and, and they had a little spike in positive tests. He said, but other than that, we've been at zero or a very very small number 
ever since. And we had a few positive tests pop up, and we want to figure out why. We don't want to put anybody in danger, and so we're going to take a break. And they retested everybody in the Tennessee football program this morning, and they are awaiting the results to see what the next step is. And coaches, I can't decide whether to give coaches credit on this or to say give us more. Nobody's giving specific numbers, or at least very few are giving specific numbers. But coaches have been willing to talk a little bit about the fact that, okay, we're dealing with positive tests. Um, You've seen it in LSU. You got the information that they were dealing with a uh, position group. I guess it was the offensive line where there were a number of either positives or guys who had been in contact with people who had tested positive. And so through the contact tracing procedures, they were sitting out. Uh, Lane Kiffin has not ever given a specific number, but he did an interview with with Matt Leinert and uh, Rob Stone and Reggie Bush last night. And he said, look, you know, we'll have a day where, you know, we've got three guys that pop up positive, and so we've got to sit out, and we change our practice plans around that. Um, There are other coaches. Lincoln Riley uh, said that they had a position group that had been hit hard. He said, I'm not going to tell you which position group, but they're having to try and figure out how to go through practice. So this this is the normal that college football coaches are having to deal with right now. And then you have the additional layer of uh, some teams taking off of a practice to uh, to do some other things. Some some I, I hesitate to call it team building because that's not exactly what this is. But there is an element of team building that goes along with some of these unity marches, uh, what they're being called in some places, uh, peaceful protests. Uh, there's an element of bonding uh, among team members that is happening all over the country. For sure. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a, I don't know if side effect is the right word, but you're going to see teams come together through this for sure, I would think. I, I would, I think everybody needs to take a step back here, though, and, and relax a little bit. I mean, hey, Dad, I saw your mentions last night. Ooh. And today. And I've gotten a couple of text me- personal text messages and stuff like that, and we have one that comes in and says, so you just sit down and throw a tantrum and expect change. Now, take, take a big step back. And even if you disagree with the message they are trying to say, put what they did today and yesterday into perspective. All that they did was take a day off of practice that was granted and encouraged by their coaches. Lane Kiffin literally marched with his team today, so obviously he supports that. They peacefully demonstrated. Kobe Jones, Jason Texan, had a really good quote. He, he, we, we want everybody to love everybody. That's the message, right? So they peacefully demonstrated. Nothing was burned down. Nothing was thrown at anyone. There was no violence. There was no confrontation. Nothing like that. And tomorrow or whenever their next practice is, they're all going to practice again. If social media didn't exist, you wouldn't even know this happened. So even if you disagree with the message, take a big step back and realize that this isn't really a big deal. Right? Uh, Thomas in Greenwood says, y'all are going to catch hell from the boomers for excusing this. And he put the LOL. Uh, I'm not excusing anything or condoning or condemning. I will never, never condemn someone for ex- exercising their right to peacefully protest. Sorry, I'm just not going to condemn that ever. That we were up against a, a hard time a second ago. I just want to go back to that. I will never, ever, ever condemn someone for exercising their right to peacefully protest. 
And frankly, I don't care what they're protesting. Like, like you have the right to protest peacefully, whether it's for, you know, saving the whales or wanting a statue to come down or having a symbolic march to show how you feel about um, what you believe to be injustice, injustices that are happening in the world. As long as it's peaceful, not, not only do I not condemn it, I, I applaud anyone who wants to exercise their right, their First Amendment right, to peacefully protest. The flip side of the coin for me, though, is if it's not peaceful, I'm out. If it comes to destroying business, if it turns into looting, if it comes into uh, vandalism, where you are defacing property or breaking windows or burning cars or anything else, just interfering with commerce, period, then I've got a huge issue with that. But in terms of a peaceful protest, not only do I not condemn it, I condone it. I applaud it and make no apologies for that. A couple of messages on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. This comes from the 228, which is Mississippi Gulf Coast, I believe. What is usually the consequence of missing a practice for any other reason? I, I, I get what you're asking, but I think you're a little misguided on that. This was not something where you had a bunch of guys skip practice where they went, to use a military term, AWOL. There was a tweet by Bleacher Report today that showed a picture, just as an example, of the Ole Miss football team. It was a small video. And the video credit went to uh, Local 24, the TV station out of Memphis. And the tweet said Ole Miss football team walked out of practice today to fight against racial injustice and police brutality. Jay Denton, who is on the football team, responded to that tweet. And he said, we did not walk out of practice. Our head coach gave us the choice to go peacefully make a change today instead of practice. He marched right alongside of us. Much love to him. So, while I understand maybe the point you're trying to make, it's an ill-conceived point. This was not a, they're skipping practice, oh, they're going to have to run stadiums at 5 a.m. This was, there's something that is important to us as a team and the head coach supporting the efforts. Hey, Dad, did, did Mike Leach have any comments related to Mississippi State and what they did last night? He did. He, uh, he put out a tweet last night, and I retweeted it. Let me see if I can find it. I think I Basically, saw that. It, it, was, it was obviously in support. Let me see. I've got it right here. I am proud to be the head coach, head football coach at Mississippi State. I applaud our players for expressing some of their fears and anxieties today. I support them and looking forward to working with them tomorrow to use football to elevate us and the people around us. Hail State. Bubba in Starkville says, what's next? Decide to skip a game out of protest? You good with that, Richard? Thanks. Um, no, I don't like that idea. But until they do it, why would we waste time talking about yeah, I mean, it? That's, that's very much a hypothetical. I, I don't think it's an impossible hypothetical. I would not be in favor of that. And it kind of goes into what I was saying a second ago. I mean, you're, you're talking about disruption of business and commerce and whatever, but if they 
choose to skip a game, to boycott a game? I won't like it, but I, I don't know that, I don't know. No, I, I, I don't like that idea. Nothing I can do about it if it happens. You can um, you can do something about it, though, if it happens. If you're a supporter and you disagree with the stance that they're taking, you've got the opportunity to exercise your rights as well, your rights to not buy a ticket, your not rights to not support a team, your right to not travel to a game, your, your right to find something else to do with your spare time. And that is 100% and completely within your right. Rights, I guess. So my my favorite guy from last night in my mentions was I think his name was Kelly Smith Fins Up, who says who has a Cardinal avatar and is an Ole Miss fan that follows me on Twitter, and uh, said, "Oh, I don't really like sports anymore." Really? Are you, are you, are you sure? I don't think I don't think you're telling the truth. Somebody said, "What part of the coaching staff protesting to are people missing?" That's 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 the thing. Like, I I hate to, to I don't want to diminish this or belittle it or anything, but in reality, all all that happened was the practice calendar got changed today. State was supposed to have today off. They're practicing today. Ole Miss was supposed to practice this morning, I guess, or or today, I guess. They'll practice another day. They're not going to lose a sure. practice. The coaches well, and, are all it, in favor. No, and, nothing. And not happened. a certain number of practices right now. The, the guidelines you have are two days off during the week. And right. a total of twenty hours practice time. They, they will make that up. Yeah, I said state states practicing today. They were not supposed to. Randy and Loosedale with a football tweet. He says, "I think I will take South Alabama plus sixteen next Thursday night." Also, by the way, somebody pointed out that um, is that the line? Yeah. Oh wow, big number. I thought they they were holding unless it's offshore. I thought that they were holding those until day of game because of COVID, and yeah. they don't know who's going to be out. A lot of that's a good point. Lots a lot of respect for USM. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bubba followed up. He said, "You missed my text yesterday. I have already exercised my right. He's not going to follow. He has decided to leave his standing as a bronze member of the Eagle Club for forty-two years behind." And his rationale, he said, the tipping point for us was stripping one of our best traditions, the Dixie Darlings. He says, we informed the Eagle Club yesterday we will not renew our membership, which forfeits our priority tickets. There is a real example for you. All right, so that's Bubba and Starkville. That's fine. I, I do. And, go ahead. No, no, I've said, Bubba, good for you. I mean, my, my assumption is that was probably a difficult decision to for you to make because You've got a lot of time and a lot of money, frankly, and a lot of emotional capital invested. But that felt like the stance that you needed to make, and so good for you for making that stance. Hundred percent, good for you, because you are allowed you're to standing for what stance. you believe in. Exactly, he's allowed to make his stand, and and the players are allowed to make theirs. It's, it is that's how this has to work. Of all the bad football we've seen in this state over the years. I mean, uh, like from an old Miss perspective, of all the bad football they've seen, I mean, the Ed Orgeron era, watching that Northwestern State game, the end of the Houston Nut era, the NCAA investigation, the Matt Luke era, none of that stopped you from watching Ole Miss football, but it's a reshuffling of the practice schedule that ends it for you. 
Mike asks a question. He says, what about interfering with the right of others to have unrestricted travel? That is, are you also against blocking roads that are intended for vehicular travel? I mean, they marched and they had a police escort this morning in Oxford. Um, you know, Mike, I, I mean, I get what you're saying, but as long as they either communicated with the city about their intentions and there was a plan for that, or there was some sort of a permit that was filed. I mean, traffic is blocked for parades. I mean, the the homecoming parade that happens, that runs from campus around the square, creates a inconvenience for motorists. So does the Christmas parade. But those are events that there's notice in advance allowed for, and alternate routes are available. Anyway, um, I think there's a bunch to get to. Well, that's the that's the thing. We got plenty of actual sports to talk about too. I think. High school football happening. There was one scrimmage that maybe others that was canceled for this evening. The Lafayette Commodores were supposed to play the South Panola Tigers tonight in a uh, in a scrimmage, and that has been canceled because of not COVID, not protests, but the threat of inclement weather. <laughs> Nature is healing. We were canceling football games for normal reasons now. Normal reasons. The expectation of bad weather was the reason they're not playing uh, that tonight. Uh, I know that Lafayette uh, said in a tweet that they put out earlier today, or, or maybe it was um, it was somebody that covers Lafayette, I think, uh, said that um, they'll open their season next week against Horn Lake. Speaking of high school football, tonight, tonight, The Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance Company High School Scoreboard Show returns to begin its 25th year on Super Talk Mississippi. Will East and Stephen Gagliano will be your hosts. We will talk with them next on the Farm Bureau phone line, although they will be in studio with Michael Borky. That's when we continue. It's Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, look, they're on uh, the video stream. If you're watching at uh, supertalktv.com, you can uh, you can see inside Studio X. We've gone to the four box. I'm sorry. Ah. I'm sorry. Quad the box. quad box. Appropriately it... socially distanced as well. They are. Steven Gagliano, Will East in studio, both extending their arms. Can't quite touch the other, so that's... Far enough away. Why are these was, guys here? They. Are I was going to Photoshop. Uh, I was going to Photoshop their faces onto the stepbrothers uh, picture and tweet <laughs> that one out. But I just didn't have time today. Beautiful. Well, maybe uh, maybe, maybe next, next week <laughs> because they will be with us each Friday leading up to high school football Friday nights, and it is finally here, fellas. We we had some uh, some academy. And some private school games last week. We've got scrimmages. We've got pseudo jamborees. And then next week it gets started for real. But before we get to that, tonight, the return and the start of the 25th season of the Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance Company's high school scoreboard show, often imitated, never duplicated. It is the original and it is still rolling. 25 years. So the silver anniversary, Will. Yes, what is the silver anniversary? What is that, paper? What is that, uh, gold, silver? I don't know yeah, what that I, is. I, I think there's a reason it's called the silver anniversary. The silver anniversary, okay. 
Well, uh, yeah, 25 years. I'm going to tell you, it's uh, – and, you know, you remember certain periods like uh, the guys, they uh, they talk about 9-11 and, you know, they I think postponed a week there. And then when Katrina happened 15 years ago, 15 years ago tomorrow actually, um, you know, they, they talk about that. This will be one of those, you know, I can't believe we made it through, can't believe we're, we're here for this type event. Uh, because, you know, it looked like there for a while we weren't going to have it. And there's still a lot of teams out there not playing. We uh, have some teams that are canceling as of today. We had a, a new story about Gulfport. Gulfport uh, apparently will not play any schools from Jackson County School District. That news just broke just a few minutes ago. So I would imagine, Richard, we're going to have – it's fluid, as the kids say. You're going to have this event – these events go on throughout the season where you know teams cancel, and you know if there's an outbreak, you might not have a, a team finish the season. But it kind of makes me more um, – appreciative of the games that we do have you know in years past you kind of go oh gosh here we go again another high school football season but this year I'm excited that it's here you should be excited that it's here and you should appreciate it and if you have the opportunity I know there's restrictions on it try to go to a game if you're able to if not at least listen to a game uh, on your local radio station because uh, you know we, we came very close to not having it yeah, yeah, if there was ever a season or a time to use the phrase moving target, that's what this season is going to be. And like you mentioned, we already have, I think it's like 26 schools so far that have either opted out or had to cancel games in some form or fashion. And I don't necessarily think we're done. I think we will see that throughout the season. But nevertheless, we're going to keep on going. Yeah. And maybe the biggest blow in that is when the Jackson Public Schools made the announcement. We, we did the math on that, and I, I don't remember exactly. It's was it, six, seven, eight yeah. schools uh, that are part of JPS that will not be playing football this fall. That's correct. And, uh, you know, there's going to be some player movements because of that, I would imagine. I think we've already had one so far, Stephen. Yeah, the biggest one of them all, uh, the domino fell this morning officially. Deion Smith, who is the state's number one ranked recruit, he's a wide receiver, uh, currently committed to LSU. He announced this morning, or the school announced this morning, that he's going to play for Jackson Academy this season. So Mm. he can't play tonight because I, I guess it just happened. But starting next week, State's number one recruit is going to be playing at Jackson Academy. After uh, he was originally at the, uh, where was it? Provon. Yeah, was his school. So Ram. Yeah, a big, uh, a big move there. In the uh, in the ranks of MAIS, we had pretty big story last week, right? With a uh, with a Mississippi school facing off against a uh, a Texas school who had a uh, a guy with a pretty famous name uh, attached to it. That's right. Yeah. Franklin Smith was his name. He's a uh, defensive No, I'm talking about Deion Sanders. Nailed it. Yeah, MRA uh, took down Trinity Christian. I think it was 27-26, ended it on an interception. Uh, Deion Sanders' son is actually the quarterback, so he got picked off Ooh. to uh to seal the game there. And oh, there's the, some delicious irony there. Yeah. Isn't Dion the offensive coordinator, even though he played mostly on defense? I think so, for that team. He can do it all. Yeah, yeah. he can do it all. A jack of all trades. Baseball coach. You right. Know, he can do it all. <laughs> what are we looking for tonight? What, what What's happening tonight in terms of action across Mississippi? Well, we'll go ahead and get this one out of the way. It'll be the first game that we preview of the entire season. Hey, Dad. Greenville Christian at St. Aloysius. Yeah! I'm not sure what happened last week, but we're going to brush by that. Looking to bounce back, right? (laughs) Yes, there's nowhere to go but up from here. (laughs) For both teams, neither one of those teams scored last week, so somebody's hitting the end zone for the first time 
in 2020. <laughs> the game will so end soon. nine to six or something <laughs> like be that. A, two not, to not from what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, and, and just real quick though, talking about Greenville Christian, uh, you talk about player transfer. The quarterback from Greenwood. Uh, DeAndre Smith Jr., who's one of the better quarterbacks in the state, he's headed to Greenville Christian. I don't know if he's uh, eligible tonight, but he is He is headed there. Yeah, so I, I really do think we're going to continue to see that player movement yeah. here in the next couple weeks. It's a very volatile situation, I guess, at this point. But also tonight you've got Jackson Academy and Leak Academy, Jackson Prep and Simpson Academy. And, you know, this is – and actually one game that I forgot there, Riverfield out of Louisiana and Tri-County Academy, that's already a rematch from last year's state championship game in 4A of MAIS. So looking forward to that And then you tonight. got, uh, I think, Indianola and Pillow Academy, which are two games that we carry on our radio stations. Uh, it's a game that you can listen to at supertalk.fm slash high school. But, Richard, the, the fireworks really get started next week when the, the public schools kick off. And I'm gonna tell you, they whoever set the schedule for all this, they they have a flair for the dramatic. I mean, you you have didn't some, exactly ease into things. No, I mean you've got West Point, who is pound for pound the number one team in the state this year. Once again, they're going to be playing the team that is considerably, I would say, probably the number two team in the state, and that would be Starkville, the probably the top team in six A. They're going to face off to start the season. West Point always does this. They play the the top six A teams around them. They also play like Knoxby County and Louisville and other really good teams. Uh, they're looking for their fifth straight title. Uh, they beat Picayune last year for four in a row. And Startville has Luke Altmeyer, who is, I guess, the top quarterback in the state this year. And, you know, every year it seems like we come in and Startville's the number one team in 6A. Well, they are again this year, but... They really haven't been able to put it together. Last year they started the season, I think, two, uh, one and three. And then they finally got, got back on the road, and they eventually lost to eventual state champion Oxford. But this is going to be the year where they, they have their, their, their best tools in their toolbox to win a state championship. But that's not the only one. So this year is the 25th year of the high school football scoreboard show here on Super Talk. But it's the 99th year of the battle for the little brown jug between Hattiesburg and Laurel. 99 years through world wars and all kinds of crazy events, they have played that game. Well, through COVID-19, they are going to play the battle for the little brown jug 99 straight years. And to make it even more interesting is uh, this, if Laurel wins tonight, they will capture win number 50. I think they're 49... 43 and 5. I don't know my math may be off on there, but they have 49 wins in that series. So this would be win number 50 if Laurel was to win tonight. They won last year for the first time in a few years. Next week. Oh, is it next week? No, I'm sorry, not tonight. Next week. <laughs> we're we're time traveling to week time one of the regular season. But 99 years. I, I would years. say that math checks out, but my math was on display yesterday, and I'm going <laughs> to do math to somebody anymore, else. Enough yep. of that. Yeah. Math on the radio. Although, sucks. if this is the 99th, 49. 43 oh. and 5. I, I think that gets us to 98 with this okay. being the 99. We're going to do this again, so, huh? Yeah. Just saying. Calculator, the calculator right there in front of you. Out, yeah. But uh, right I there. think we're good. 
Well, 99 years, and, you know, that was kind of going into, you know, when they were having to reschedule games and stuff, uh, they worked that out to where they could play that game. So it was in danger of of stopping that 99-year streak. So thankfully, uh, cooler heads prevailed, and we are going to have the battle for the Little Brown Jug for the 99th year. So next, next week's a, a really big week, not only in terms of the games themselves, but just – Getting over that hump of all the public yeah, schools, you've kind of had emotional a emotional hurdle. Yeah, you've kind of had it. I don't want to call it. Well, I guess I will call it a kind of a soft opening with the private and academy schools starting early, and then once you get all the public schools kind of started, I, it's going to feel like it's supposed to feel this time of year with high school football back in the air. And Stephen, we've only got about a minute left, but it, it is going to feel different because of the restrictions that are in place because of the executive order from the governor. Two people per participant, that's football players, cheerleaders, band members, etc. So really you're probably looking at about, oh, I don't know, three, 400 in terms of max attendance for a particular school regardless of where you are in the state. Yeah, that's about right. And I'm curious to see if that's going to be expanded uh, as we kind of move throughout the season. I know you guys talked to the governor about that the other day, so I'm looking forward to, to hearing an update on that. Need, need to see the uh, the numbers related to coronavirus continue to go down, and that will perhaps give us an opportunity to have attendance numbers for high school and college football to go up. Guys, excited to be doing this again. Look forward to visiting with you each Friday as we uh, preview the, uh, the, the following or the games that are coming up. Thanks so much. Thank you. Stephen Gagliano, Will East, joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line from Studio X. We'll be right back. Only 40 people live in Amanda in Pike County, long loyal listener. Ceasefire text line 601 879 4395. Guys, just for fun and in honor of high school ball sto- starting, any of you remember your f- school's fight song? Hey, Dad says he can sing it right now. I could. Let's hear it. Nah, eh, not in the singing mood. You know the words? Yeah. It's good. We're going to fight for our alma mater, out for Aloysius, purple and gold. We're going to sh- shout to the skies, resound it. We're going to back up our warriors bold. The purple flashes are our heroes. They are the men who never say die. So while the whole gang is here, let's stand and cheer for Aloysius High. I dig it. Yeah. Specific tune, or it was like the just like a. It was. I think it's relatively original. I see you. You put that uh, Oxford Highs was done to. To Notre Dame's. Yeah. Wake up the echoes. So, uh, yeah. Fascinatingly so enough, says, so, so was Starkville's. That's that's weird. Hmm. Amanda says, uh, let's hear it. I only know the first verse of Woodlawn High School in Baton Rouge. There's yeah, I don't know that we had more than one verse. Song? Jeez. Yeah. It was uh, cheers, cheers for our Oxford High. Our Charger spirit will never die. Watch those colors, blue and gold, go for a touchdown. Go, go, go. We'll back our Chargers in every way. Our Charger spirit is here to stay. V-I-C-T-O-R-Y spells victory for Oxford High. There you go. Vicksburg's high, Vicksburg High School was... Uh, I don't have a clue what it sounds like. You could play it to me right now. I would have no idea. Come on. You bum. What do you mean? Yeah. I, I'm sorry. That's I was terrible. on the field playing, so I didn't listen to what the band was doing. You, you guys didn't have, didn't have pep, pep rallies and stuff? Yeah, but the band didn't ah. play at it. What? Yeah, it, what kind of, so, South Carolina, man, y'all are messed up. Well, our school was huge, and it grew so much that the band like couldn't fit in their own space in our pep rallies anymore. In the school gym? Yeah, 
I mean, our gym seated like 2,500, and by the time I graduated, the school was like 3,200 students. So getting people into the pep rally was hard enough. So they didn't like set up the band for that. No, no, man. You leave out the freshmen. They were the most energetic always. It was the seniors that couldn't have cared less. Yeah. And high school pep rallies were a blast, and ours were generally in the gym. But yeah. every great once in a while, they would take it to the to the auditorium, uh, which was kind of a different feel uh, altogether. Hey, Dad, did you did you ever have to do anything crazy at a high school pep rally? Uh, the crazy thing I remember, they decided to have a contest to see who could put the most marshmallows in their mouth. Guess who won? <laughs> On game day? I mean, I didn't swallow them. Oh. I, I spit out a gigantic wad of marshmallow when it was over. We had a deal where they hung a a tire from the rim on the basketball goal in the gym, and like a uh, passing competition. But I think it, I don't know if that was homecoming week or not. But it was one of those themed dress up days where everybody was supposed to dress Hawaiian, and uh, I had to from mid court try to throw a football through a tire hanging from the basketball ring while wearing a grass skirt and a coconut bra. Nice. Yep. I bet you volunteered for that one. That was fine. Especially was after fun. you heard about the outfit. Yeah, it was it was cool. It was a lot of fun. We had to tape people up to the wall. That was the the most bizarre thing. So we you did had to do what? Yeah, so so we did homecoming. Hey, South week Carolina was, was weird, hey Dad. I'm telling we you, man. Did, okay, hold on, hold on. Marshmallows and Hawaiian coconut bras are normal, but this is why I like North Carolina better. I'm just telling you. Um, so homecoming week wasn't a big deal for us. Uh, they actually, because when I was a freshman, a bunch of people got drunk and went to homecoming and like threw up on themselves and stuff, and so they put the, <laughs> so they put the homecoming dance during the football game. So nobody went to the dance, and they did that on purpose so all the drunk people would avoid being inside of the school. Uh, but we did a thing called Spirit Week, which was during basketball season where – we would compete against our rival Hillcrest to raise as much money during the week as possible. And we took that thing seriously because we're talking like three, four hundred thousand dollars plus during the week. And that was a really big deal. And so during we had a pep rally for the basketball game between the two of us as well, not just football. And Hillcrest's student council that organized their spirit week came and we would go there. And the competition would be try to take your smallest person and tape them up onto the wall. And the longest, whichever one lasted, won like a $1,000 donation to whichever cause. So it was like the charity thing, but we picked our smallest person, and you had to duct tape them to the wall of the gym competing against Hillcrest. And the winner was like 15 minutes that they held up there before the tape came off and they, they fell off the wall. So you guys tortured a person for fun. Oh, he volunteered. Exciting. No, for charity. Oh, uh, uh, it was for, for charity. charity. Like, it was yeah. for charity. Yeah, great. Is this like a bare-chested thing, or do you have a... They got to oh, on whatever they wanted. Oh, about to say, geez louise, no. Yeah, it, it was a competition, not a, a torture method. Randy like says a nice jamboree between George and Greene County and Loosedale sold out. He said, I think George County's letting about 800 people in the game. On the home side, Greene County got 400 tickets on the uh, the visitor side as well. So, you know, I mean, if you've got a big football team and a big band and... You know, cheerleading squad and a dance squad and whatnot. I mean, I, I could see how you could get to 400 people at two tickets a pop. So, good for them. Sports Talk Mississippi.
Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm with you on this Friday afternoon. Two big, fat, whopping segments with John Harris from the Houston Texans Radio Network. His website is footballtakeover.com. Don't forget, Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Johnny, we are 13 days away from real, live, American tackle football that counts in the National Football League, and the uh, team that you follow will be part of the season opener. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's going to be uh, – well, it's definitely going to be unique. There's no question about that, Richard. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, the news came out, uh, I think, a couple well, – about a week ago or so. You know, they're not going to have sideline report. You know, sideline reporters down on the field. And for about two minutes, I just went through this um, – you know, I went through an anger session – um, I was like, oh, no. I mean, I was really upset. And then my boss called me and said, no, 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 you're still going to be there, but you're just going to be like the first row of the stands. I was like, that's it? Oh, man, I love that. That'll be fine. So, yeah, I'm <laughs> looking forward to going to Arrowhead. Things have changed dramatically in our radio world and broadcasting the games. Um, I don't think that um, our play-by-play and uh, game analyst, Mark Vandermeer and Andre Ware, are going to travel to the game. It's just going to be me, so I'll be on a wireless with them as they're on a studio back here in Houston. So things are definitely going to be different this year, but just, just the fact that we're seeing football and, you know, had an opportunity at training camp to see all the practices. And we had a scrimmage last night uh, at NRG stadium and the guys put on their jerseys and they kind of went through a pseudo game, went in for halftime, did all that kind of stuff. And it just was like, you know, this is kind of normal. It's normal. Now when there are no fans in there, when the game starts, that'll be a little different. But it was like, it was just great to see. I was just, it was happy to see my guys playing football again. It was really neat. Um, and hopefully yeah, throughout our world, uh, we'll be able to have that happen here sometime soon. Yeah, and you know, John, it's interesting because different leagues are taking different approaches to the, the whole sideline thing. I got a text message from uh, a guy that I know that is a sideline reporter in the ACC. And he's like, hey, I've been told that I'm out. Are you going to work this year? I was like... Yeah, I've been told that sideline reporters for both radio and television have been considered part of that essential group that will actually be on the field when it comes to yeah. the SEC. And, and you know, we had, had already kind of played around with some different ideas of if they didn't allow that, you know, was I going to be in the yeah. booth or was I going to be roaming around in the stands? And I guess we would have figured it out, but at least for now it looks like that's not going to be an issue. And uh, yeah, I feel pretty fortunate that, that that's going to be the case. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably going to have to pull up the seat next to, you know, Lisa Salters and Michelle Tafoya and, you know, these silent reporters who actually over the years I've gotten to know a little bit. Um, you know, Lisa Salters and I had a long discussion at halftime of the playoff game against the Bills. Um, so, you know, I've gotten to know them. So I'm sure that we'll be sitting next to each other in the stands. But, you know, as far as, as, far as us, you know, they, they're, just, they're just not allowing, you know, people, you know, additional people to be down on the sideline. And hopefully it'll go back to normal in 2021. But, yeah, it's just interesting how the different conferences, especially in college football, have looked at everything. I mean, obviously, yeah. you got two conferences, the Power Five, that said we're not playing football. Now you got one saying, well, we might be back by Thanksgiving. Uh, then it's like, well, maybe the end of October. Who knows? But the SEC and the ACC and Big 12 stayed the course. I'm really intrigued about this conference schedule. Uh, but as far as we go, you know, it's, you know, the, the league – 
has really stood firm on how they were going to do things. You know, they sent everybody home in March. Everybody, no matter whether it was a shelter in place locally for teams or not. Everybody's going home. Everybody's doing a draft from home. Everybody's doing free agency from home. We're going to have a virtual offseason, so everybody's staying home. They set out the protocols for testing and practice and everything in training camp, and that seemingly has gone very, very well. Now they've got to incur, uh, encounter the last hurdle, which is the travel part of things. But the NFL seemingly each and every step, although we get antsy, and I'm sure like you, Richard, you wanted to know, I wanted to know, and so the NFL kind of waits a little bit longer just to make sure they have it, but when they have something down cold, they send it out to the teams and said, that's what we're going with. Deal with it. And, and I think the teams have, and I think the teams are making the most of it. I think the teams have all found ways this year that maybe can make the process of building a team, building an organization, building a championship team. They've found some efficiencies, uh, been forced into it the last couple of months. And, you know, maybe we'll see how that, that goes going forward. But uh, I give credit to Roger Goodell and the league, which a lot of people probably won't do because they don't care for Roger Goodell. The league's done a, a hell of a job making sure that the teams follow the protocols and then the players and coaches and staffs and organizations themselves have done the same thing. I mean, I basically go to Kroger or HEB and come home and then the stadium, that's it. So, you know, I, and I think the players are the same way. They've, they've gone practice, home. And I think that's why we've seen such low numbers. Um, and then if somebody is starting to act the fool – like that Seattle Seahawks uh, defensive back who's trying to sneak a woman into his room, uh, they've gotten rid of those players. They don't play around. So uh, I think it's gone pretty well, and hopefully it'll stay that way. Was there a point, John, once practice began, training camp, whatever it is that we're calling this time leading up to the season, where it felt like a switch flipped? And and we know that this year's unique, and we know that it's different, but was there a point where it became, okay, it's still football, and we've got a game coming up in three weeks, two weeks, now 13 days. Um, yeah, I think you know the first, the first day of training camp for us was not the first day of training camp for the guys. They got in, I think, like July 25th. That's when they started doing all the testing. And they'd been in for a while. So the first time that we saw them was the first day in pads. And we saw them in the bubble. Now, typically, every year that I can remember, the very first practice is always outside. And it's in front of a bunch of fans. But that first day, that felt a little like, okay, I'm not quite in it yet. But the next day, they went outside. And for some reason, when they went outside, that's when it kind of clicked like, all right, it's football. You know, we're doing all right. You know, the tests are all coming back negative. We're doing okay. It's football. It's okay to be happy about football coming back. And that's when it started to kind of feel normal. It was the second day of like, all right, now we're in it. Now, I'll be honest with you, because I'm testing every single day and going up to the stadium, sometimes working from home, sometimes I'm at the stadium. I can't tell you what day it is. I spent yesterday thinking it was Friday all day long, hmm. completely all day long. So the days kind of run together, but that's training camp, I think. And so I guess maybe that's as normal as anything. But it really wasn't until the second day where I felt like, okay, it's cool it, it, it's okay to feel happy about football being back, and that, that's all right. And so I really started kind of getting a little bit in the groove that second day and then have been so ever since. All right, I want to test you right now, and uh, we'll talk more specifically about the, uh, the Texans in a second. We, we know, John, you, you and I have been together. You, we, we know that both of us are talkers, and, and sometimes time is yes. not our friend. So I want to see if you can do this in 10 to 15 seconds. 
for each division in the NFL. Tell me who the favorite is okay. to win the division and give me a 10 to 15 second answer as to why. Let's start in the AFC East. It's the Buffalo Bills because the Buffalo Bills are the most talented and deep team potentially in the AFC. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. See, it's now you got me wanting more, but I'm, you, you nailed it, but now I want more. So uh, we'll, we'll go through all of them. AFC North, any question that it's the Baltimore Ravens? Potentially, because I think the Steelers are going to be so good defensively. Um, I think the Ravens, this whole Earl Thomas thing, could, could rear its ugly head, but I think the Ravens have the most overall talent. The Steelers have the best defense, so I'll give the Steelers a chance, but it's going to be Baltimore. AFC South, is it your Houston Texans or is it one of the other teams? Is it the Titans, maybe? If it's us, if it's not us, it's the Colts. Okay. Why? Because I think the Colts are as talented as, as any team we're going to face. I mean, Chris Ballard, GM there, has been building and stacking talent on top of talent on top of talent. And guess where he puts it? Offensive line, defensive line. Well, guess where you're going to win this league? If you got a quarterback that can just keep it together enough and Phillip Rivers, they're going to be a really tough out. I mean, with those two running backs, Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor, Whew. And they're stout on both lines. They're going to be really tough to beat. But we have Deshaun Watson, and we are fat. I don't know if they can match up with that, and that's going to be their problem against us. All right, we'll do the NFC after we come back from the break. We've got about a minute left of the break. AFC West, is it Kansas City and everybody else, or is there somebody else that you're really looking at? I think this division could be as competitive as any division in the league. I think the three teams behind Kansas City all improved mightily. This offseason, all of them. I think the Chargers defense is scary. The Raiders got faster offensively. And I think the Broncos added a number of key pieces. But the Chiefs, let's be honest. I mean, the Chiefs got better and better every week last year. And, if I mean, they're going to be as good. But they've had a couple of opt-outs and two suspensions that really could hurt their depth. So I'm not putting anybody else above Kansas City. But I don't. I think Kansas City will, will come back a little bit to the pack in the AFC West. But I think the Chargers, Raiders, and Broncos are as good as two, three, and four you're going to find in any league, any conference, or any division in the NFL. All right, we'll do the exact same thing with the NFC when we come back. We're going to continue with John Harris from the Houston Texans, sideline reporter on the Houston Texans radio network. Quick timeout. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Friday afternoon, almost halfway through the show. John Harris on for another segment, kind enough to spend some time with us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Again, favorites.com. There you can go with the home team. John is the sideline reporter for the Houston Texans. He's got a really cool website called footballtakeover.com. You can go there and uh, check out all kinds of uh, neat stuff, and it's uh, updated Fairly regularly, maybe a little less as things get busier once uh, once football really gets rolling. John, we were walking through the AFC. You gave me the Buffalo Bills in the East, and you said maybe the most talented team in the AFC. A, a nod to Baltimore, but a lookout big time for Pittsburgh in the AFC North. I think a nod yep. to your hometown Houston Texans, but look out for the Colts, who are incredibly talented, and the Chiefs, but a wildly competitive AFC West. Is that a fair summary? 
That is a fair summary. I think the one thing I would add for, for Buffalo is the depth that they have throughout their team. I mean, I saw in that playoff game, I'm like, man, if Josh Allen doesn't turn into, uh, as one of the athletic writers from Buffalo called him, Wyoming Josh, they beat us by three touchdowns, which is probably hmm. true. But as long as he doesn't turn into Wyoming Josh, that team's as good as anyone you're – I mean, they were scary athletic. I mean – Tredavious White, Tremaine Edmonds on defense, up front at Oliver. I mean, they're just stacked. And then they added Stephon Diggs, the receiver. So, man, if we get in the playoffs this year, we may be going to Buffalo to take on that team. I know everybody wants to talk about New England. Oh, Cam Newton's there. Look, the personnel losses on defense, they lost over half that defense through either COVID opt-outs or free agency. That defense is not going to be like what it was. Now, it won't be horrid, but it's just not going to be like it was, and they can't fall back on Tom Brady and Wes Welker and Randy Moss to go get 35 a game like they could way back in 2007 through 2009. That ain't going to happen. So from that perspective, the, the Patriots, I think, will still be 7-9, 8-8, somewhere in that range. They may even be 9-7, get a wild card, but the Bills are just too talented and too deep. They've, they're deep at nearly every spot, and it just all comes back to Josh Allen. If he, if he, that's um, uh, the right way of saying this. If he doesn't play well, that's the nice way of saying it. Then <laughs> they, they won't win a division, or they'll just be another wild card again. Have to go on the road in the first round. But if he just plays a solid, non-turnover like game and he shows some progress, the Bills are going to be a tough out for anybody in the playoffs. NFC East, Cowboys, Giants, Eagles, the Washington football team. Who do you like? <laughs> uh, do you who like do I, I like? Who am I going to pick? Cause, yeah. Who do I like? Because you know, I don't like any of them, um, but uh, especially the one I'm about to say. But Dallas, boy, Dallas. I look at Dallas with Mike McCarthy, and I think, oh, boy, Mike McCarthy bringing his coaching acumen giving them a different look at things. Now, they'll be running the same offense, but I just think Mike McCarthy will force them to look at it through some different eyes, and I think that will help uh, for Dak Prescott. They had C.D. Lamb, a wide receiver. Come on now. Mm -hmm. That group's going to be just stupid good. And then defensively, you know, Alden Smith came back, and all indications are Alden Smith just went from being a complete malcontent, absolute issue off the field, to four or five years later getting his act together and all of a sudden looking like he did back in 2012. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I think the Cowboys are just, they're way more athletic, I think, than anybody in that division. And I, we saw those teams a couple of years ago. The Eagles have had some injuries on the offensive line. I think the Cowboys are one. The Eagles are two. I think Washington will be better. I think the Giants, eh, we'll see. Joe Judge will be kind of interesting to watch, that's for sure. NFC North, is that an interesting division? Heck yeah, it is. We, we play them that, this year. So we go to Chicago and to Detroit, and then Green Bay and Minnesota come here. So it couldn't have, it couldn't have worked out better for us that we get the two best teams to come to us, um, and then we go to Detroit Chicago. I think Chicago will be improved, but it depends on whether Nick Foles is, um, is the guy that the you know, Philadelphia Eagles fans fell in love with or whether he's the one who played on Jacksonville last year. If it's Mitch Trubisky, I don't think anybody has any faith in him. But you know when you face Chicago, it's just going to be a no-holds-barred you know, brawl with that defense. And I think that's the, that's the issue is they've got that defense. If they're offering to do anything, I, I'd be apt to put Chicago back up there. I just don't think it's going to happen. 
I think the best team in that division that's going to win it is Minnesota. And I, and I don't think Minnesota's as good as it even was last year, but I think Green Bay takes a step and a half back. Everything had to fall right for Green Bay last year to get to 13-3. and three. <clears throat> I think they fall back a little bit. I think Green Bay's a, Green Bay's a 9-7 team. I think Minnesota's 10-6, and six, um, and I think Minnesota wins that division. NFC South is interesting to me because you've got Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. You've got probably the last year for Drew Brees. Obviously, Matt Rule is new in Carolina. I don't think they're going to be there yet. And I don't think the Falcons can continue to be as bad as they have been, given the personnel they've got. Who is it that comes out on top in the NFC South? It's going to sound strange, but it really won't surprise me, even Carolina. I know that sounds weird, but Carolina is wildly talented offensively. And now Teddy Bridgewater, I think, is the right guy to put in that offense. Okay. I mean, you know, if you're not going to put a just flat-out gunslinger that's just going to throw it deep all the time, then Teddy might be the right guy. He's going to check it down to McCaffrey. He's going to take what defenses give to him for Curtis Samuel and, and D.J. Moore. And Joe Brady's running that offense. They've got some, they got some ability in that offense, man. I'll tell you that. Defensively, they put a lot of stock in the draft. So Derrick Brown is there. They, you're going to see probably two, three young guys. The defense won't quite be there. I, I think the best team still is going to be the Saints. I know everybody's like, wait, the Buccaneers. I, I'm not ready to jump on that train yet. I remember when the Eagles thought they were the dream team back in 2011. They finished 6-10. and 10. So I'm going to hold up on the hype train just a bit on Tampa Bay. But I do think Tampa Bay gets in the playoffs, so I think it's still going to be the Saints. The Saints are going to be salty. And they added Emmanuel Sanders to go along with Drew Brees and everything else. Alvin Kamara, Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, Jared Cook, my goodness. Oh, oh, yeah, sorry, I forgot the best receiver in the league, Michael Thomas. So I still yeah, think it's the Saints 11-5 or 12-4, and four, and I think the Bucks will be 10-6. and six. So I think the All Bucks right. will be a step behind them. NFC West, let's do the quick summary here, the 15-second summary. Who do you like in the NFC West? I... Pregnant Pauls. I, yeah, it just, this one's hard. I'm going to roll with Russell Wilson. I think the Niners have had some injuries that will impact them. I'm going to go with the Seahawks. I don't love the Seahawks. This division is going to be rough. This one's kind of to me all over the place. But I'm going to end up going, when in doubt, go with the best quarterback in the division, Russell Wilson. Let's do it. He's got a weapon in D.K. Metcalf that a lot of people around here are keeping their eye on as well. A uh, couple of minutes left, John, and this is far less fun than going division by division and picking winners. But I feel like I've got to ask you because you and I talked about this a while back, and you know the 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 fans and the sponsors of the Houston Texans I know are going to be watching. A lot of eyes on Dallas with Jerry Jones. What is this thing going to look like when we kick it off in terms of player protests, statements, social justice initiatives, kneeling, all, all of the above? How concerned are you, and and what do you think it's going to look like? Well, I can say this because I I haven't seen the 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 deck that's come from the league apparently, but my boss Mark Vandermeer has, and he has he has shown it to me because we haven't seen each other, we haven't seen each other for months. Um, but things will look different. Things will um, on a, on a number of different levels, whether it's decals on helmets, whether it's different names in the back of jerseys, whatever. He hasn't told me exactly what it's going to be, and he doesn't have the full and utmost you know, deck, but he's seen uh, most of it. He, there is going to, be, there's going to be a big step by the league to step forth in these social justice matters. 
the league has been listening to its players. The, the organizations have been listening to their players. And the league is in a much different place now than it was four years ago for, you know, when Colin Kaepernick first knelt uh, during the national anthem. Oh, at first he sat and then he knelt. Um, but I don't know exactly what that's going to be, Richard. I, I just have heard little things here or there. After our scrimmage last night, uh, the guys stayed in the, down the bowl on the field. They needed to crisscross applesauce and started discussing different things that they were concerned about, you know, led by Kenny Stills, who has been, you know, forefront in the social uh, justice initiatives. Uh, Michael Thomas' safety from, from here in Houston went to Stanford. Um, he stood up and spoke. Um, and they, they just had a conversation, that the players uh, and those leaders. Um, and I, so I, I'm curious myself to see what initiatives, um, you know, are, are put out there, especially Thursday night because it'll be the first game. Um, yeah. But I do know, just based on what the league has sent and what Mark has said to me, that it will definitely look different. Um, and so it's going to be the NFL, but, uh, you know, there's going to be messaging. And I think it's going to be, to an extent, a lot like the NBA has. Um, then we'll see what that all looks like uh, exactly. But I do know that something and those those sort of initiatives have been uh, been received by the NFL, and they want to make sure that these players' voices are heard um, on social justice. There's no question. So, yeah, you'll definitely see a, a change in that regard on Thursday night for sure. It's going to be interesting to see what it looks like. John, always appreciate your time. Great information today. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. You got it, Richard. Great to talk to you, brother. Take care, my friend. John Harris on the Farm Bureau phone line. We'll be back with more Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. I don't know if we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Um, When Dallas got back to practice, there was a, I think it was an Instagram post from Dak where he was standing with a beautiful woman on what appeared to be like the balcony back porch of his house, something like that. But the post was about the football field that was behind him. He had a football field installed behind his home so that he could practice with some of his teammates during the offseason and basically said he kind of likes to go low-key about it, and that's the reason he had it installed. You know, likes to just kind of do his work in the offseason quietly and then be ready to roll when practice starts. Hey, Dad, did you see that? I did not see that. I'm not much for the Instagram, so I, I missed it. Oh, yeah? That. Yeah, you should, uh, you should check it out. Pretty cool setup that Dax got at, uh, at his pad in Dallas, somewhere in the Metroplex, uh, where he can practice football on his own. And I thought, oh, that's evidence it's not bad to be a, uh, an NFL quarterback. And then, Borky, you included something in the rundown a couple of days ago, and I, I haven't gotten to it. There have been other things happening this week. More evidence. What's happening Not bad week? to be an NFL quarterback. What? Say what, hey, Dad? What's happened this week? Has there been news? I, I, oh, yeah. Um, Eli Manning, done being a football player. Professionally. Not sure where he's moving or what he's about to do, but his house in New Jersey is for sale. Uh, I mean, the price tag, I guess, is whatever. A little over $5 million. Spectacular house. But the golf simulator is what everybody seems to be, like, gravitating to. It's like, oh, my gosh, the golf simulator is unbelievable. 
You in on the golf simulator in the house, Porky? Here's a hot take. It's out of place. Look at the picture. It's in a kitchen of some kind. A massive kitchen, like the biggest restaurant in the world kitchen, but it's in a kitchen. I mean, there's Porky. a sink and stuff hold on, hold back on. there. What a, that, that's not a kitchen, man. That's a... That's a wet bar man room, but his wife did the decorating. Well, it looks terrible. That's a that's like a, a sub-zero stainless steel beer and wine fridge, and then an area to put snacks out. All right, I got to find this picture here. Hold on, but playing golf. That's terrible. And all, but no, there's a bathroom over there too. I mean, if that's your man cave, you got to make it more of a cave. It's not a man high-priced VRBO. No, no, that's how you get your wife to sign off on it without having to Wait. put it in a basement or somewhere. Hold on. The the two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback's got to get his wife to sign off on the man cave? Come on, now. Dude, how long have you been married? I've got a, a man cave in my house right now. My house that is um, like one of... About Eli the Manning's size of Eli pay, Manning's like, golf simulator. <laughs> like his game check, you know? That's what my house cost. And I've got one. That I did. I, That's I, a great setup. I don't know what you're talking about, man, Borky. I've seen so many cooler. You got got a got a full bar back there. Yeah, come on. It's all white and shiny and stuff. Like, it's a man cave, man. Put TVs everywhere, like a real bar, not something That's where that he wants to go like, play golf. He's it, not. It, this looks he goes like and watch Nancy TV Pelosi, in the TV room. This looks like Nancy Pelosi's overpriced kitchen. That's what this looks like. He's got wow. a thirty thousand dollar refrigerator over there. That's what this looks like. I'm just saying. Jealousy you, you comes go, in all forms oh, and factors. You'd go hang out is. there. Hey, I, oh, I'd hang take out. it. I'm just saying, if I had a $5 million house and all the money in the world, I'm not letting my wife decorate my man cave. I'm hiring one of those guys you see on one of those HGTV shows to build me all kinds of stuff, but I'm not putting my golf simulator in a kitchen with White. Michael is, Everything's Michael white. Michael is the producer for a popular sports talk radio show. His budget is $6.2 million. I mean, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Cindy's a freelance blogger and, <laughs> and... And John repairs harmonicas. Sells bolo ties on Etsy. Their budget is $2.5 million. Their demands, beachfront location. It's got to have an open concept. Man, That's all I, I know I about just, those shows. I, I just have to believe that you're looking at a different set of pictures than I am because that is spectacular. Yeah, this is totally acceptable, in my opinion. I mean, it's acceptable. It is certainly <laughs> nice. It is nice. Uh, but like you said, it looks like his wife did it. You're, you're just you mad there's, like, like, there's not like a fat head of, of, of you know, Batman or something. Man, no, on if I, I were on. him, I would have my jerseys everywhere. And uh, display where my Super Bowl rings are, right next to my golf simulator, and like an actual bar, and TVs everywhere. Because I'm a guy, and when my guys come over, I want the games to be on, Have you, uh... and a beer tap. You know, not a sink, a white sink that is stainless steel. I want a beer tap with five or six Morehead's different house? taps. Have you seen Moorhead's house here in Starkville that was put up for sale? No, is it listed for sale? Yeah, let me find the link, and I'll send it to y'all. Okay. It's on Zillow, I'm sure. Oh, uh, yes, it is. <sighs> I, look, 
I'm right, just what, about the, what, what do you not like about the kitchen on the main level of the house? Is the uh, is the stove not big enough or too big? Are the uh, marble countertops not oh, the, the, the uh, see, right the color thing. for you? Or you they're, can't they're okay. tell the difference if the main kitchen of the house is also where the golf simulator is. That's the problem. The kitchen is stunning. It's beautiful. The rest of the house is beautiful. But if you're going to build a golf simulator in your house, man it up a little bit. You ever played on one of those golf simulators? Yeah, a really bad one, and I got lucky enough to play on a really good one where, like, the putt actually mattered. Like, you, yeah. there was a separate spot for the putting, and, and mm-hmm. so th- that was awesome. Yeah. It tells you a lot about how bad your swing is, though. They're pretty spectacular. And then you get all the instant feedback. I mean, you know, you get the launch angle and attack angle and ball speed and club head speed, and it's it's pretty cool. Really, uh, really pretty cool. I, I mean, I, I cannot believe the way you just eviscerated it's a spectacular golf simulator room. Oh, would you design it this way? If you had free reign, this is your space, do whatever you want with it. Would it look like this? Uh, I wouldn't have free reign, this is my space, do whatever you want with it if it's part of the main house. My my wife would have some say so in how it was put but together. What, what do you mean part of the main house? Like so you wouldn't have your own space in a five and a half million dollar home? You wouldn't no, say, I'd Hey, have like a, I'd like have a shop or an office above the garage or you know, something yeah. like that. And so when you would have that space for yourself, would it look like this? Yeah, I probably wouldn't decorate it exactly like that, but right. it's really nice. And it, my, like 100%, if we could afford that, my wife would be like, yes, I would like for it to look like that. It'll be seamless with everything in the house. It'll work. It'll flow. It's not obnoxious. And no, you don't need a bunch of game jerseys tacked to the wall. Yeah, but whatever. I mean, who cares? Come on. It works and flows with the house. It's my house. Oh, I don't need it to flow. I want it to be what my preference is for my space. If you don't think it flows, why should I care? If if I could afford if I had Eli Manning money within a reasonable driving distance of where my home was, I would have a piece of property um, some land that would have a really cool barn on it that would probably have an indoor half basketball court and a golf simulator, and maybe a batting cage, and some stuff like that. See? And that's where I would put it. That would be pretty sweet. Be a pretty it, cool setup. It would be kind of nice, though, to not, like, if you have just one or one too many, you know, and you shouldn't drive, just to walk upstairs and go to bed. You I would also I mean? have sleeping quarters in said barn. Well, but then you got to leave your house. I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. It is very, very, very nice. But if I'm building a, a place for me to hang out and my guys to come over and hang out, I don't want it to be nice or classy. Caleb and Starkful ceasefire text line. Borky's upset. The crown molding clashes with the cabinets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to class it down, not class it up, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the pictures. The crown molding does not clash with the cabinets. He, he's They're in good shape there. It's, it's all good. It's all white. It would hurt your eyes after hanging out there for a while. 
need like blue light glasses just to absorb the radiate radiation coming off of the brightness here. John and Madison makes a great point. And yeah, you know, we I kind of dig on house architecture and layouts and whatnot. I mean it's like a hobby. He says the party's always in the kitchen. And I could not agree more with that. People always migrate to the kitchen. So if you got an opportunity to have a big kitchen or allow the kitchen and the living area to just kind of flow together, it makes sense. Dave and McComb. Someone asked Richard to calculate the kitchen square footage. <laughs> Mike, you guys have my permission now to resume with the controversial stuff. <laughs> Will and Eupora, I am convinced Borky still decorates his place like he's a 20-year-old male college student. Nothing is, but flags and LED lights. That is exactly what my home office looks like. I've got five flags in it. It's exactly what it looks like. Mike and Grand Bay, Man they Cave Kate must... cut out there. Yeah, Mike uh, says Man Cave must be separated from the main house. Sports Talk Mississippi, we'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Friday afternoon. All right, Mike, we'll take a turn back to the semi-serious. I want to play a question from a reporter and the answer that Tampa Bay Buccaneers coach Bruce Arians gave. I'll give you a little bit of the background. The story is at ESPN.com. It says Bucks coach Bruce Arians, NFLPA's Damari Smith continue protest squabble. Uh, Damari Smith took exception to something that Bruce Arians said in regard to protesting and posted a tweet yesterday with a photo of former United States Congressman and civil rights icon John Lewis, who passed away in July. And Smith said, Everyone is entitled to their opinion. But it's clear he is woefully misinformed about the history of both protest within sports in the United and in America. To which Bruce Arians responded, "Yeah, I have a history. It might be a little longer than his." Listen to the Q and A, the question, and then the answer from Bucks coach Bruce Arians. I wonder what what your reaction to everything that went on yesterday in the world of sports and. Um, you know whether whether this is an important time. I know we took we're, we're t- we talked about these these things several times, but um, what, what what responsibility does, does does a team, a a staff, a league have? Uh, your responsibility is to take action. I don't know that protest is an action. You know, um, I think each guy has a personal thing. Um, I I would I would beg them to take action. You know find a cause and either support it financially or do something to change the situation because protesting doesn't do crap, in my opinion. I've been seeing it since 1968. Interesting from Bruce Arians. He recalled the race riots in York, Pennsylvania in 1968 and 1969 as a 16-year-old. Article says, as a quarterback at Virginia Tech, Arians was the first white player to room with a black teammate, James Barber, one of two black players on the team, and that is the father of two guys that certainly you recognize their names, Rondé and Tiki Barber. And he has long credited his upbringing in a diverse community for his progressive stances on racial issues. 
And Borky, this is one of those situations where part of the quote gets grabbed and people run with it without understanding the full context of what Bruce Arians said and are looking for a reason to vilify him without really knowing who he is or what his story is. That's about how it goes, right? And he got a lot of crap for it because the headlines were, protesting does nothing, Bruce Arians. Once they listened to the entire quote, it was, oh, he's telling them to follow it with action. That makes perfect sense, something that we can all agree upon. But that's kind of the nature of what's going on. I mean, not to go down this road, but it's an observation. Last night, Rand Paul got, not attacked, because nobody ended up getting physical, but he got intimidated and shouted at by a mob last night. They were yelling at him to say her name, talking about Breonna Taylor. Say her name. He literally wrote the bill called Justice for Breonna Taylor Act. Wrote the bill. But because he was leaving the president's address, he was evil. No context is applied to anything anymore. We just shout at people for no reason. And Rand Paul last night wrote the bill and got that treatment. Bruce Arians, really profound thought, got crap for it because of one out-of-context line. That's where we are today. For, for context, Arians is the only current NFL head coach who has a black defensive coordinator, a black offensive coordinator, a black special teams coordinator, and a black run game coordinator slash assistant head coach. And Bruce Arians said to his players he would support them if they chose to miss or move a practice if they could devise a plan to bring about change. Adding that the Bucks player-led social justice committee was to meet this week to discuss ideas. Man, I kind of feel like there's a need to tip our cap to Bruce Arians. Or whatever the hat he wears is called. <laughs> a Tam. A Tam. Tip your Tam to him. <laughs> I know what a Tim Tam is. I don't know about a Tam. Uh, no, a Tam O'Shanter. Sure, why not? Uh, yeah, I mean... If anything, he's calling out for more to be done. More, not just not just words, action. You think that would be a great message, but as as Borky pointed out, everything gets sort of lost in translation. Lot nobody pays attention to the context. They just grab the headline, whatever gets aggregated out, and it's just go time from there. Yeah. Well done by Bruce Arians. I thought the way he answered that question was solid. I thought what he has said to his team and how he will support them is solid. And it's kind of what we've been talking about. Like, you, you, you ask the question when it comes to protest or sitting out or taking a knee or whatever, to what end? And I think that's what Bruce Arians is doing here. He's saying, okay, protest, okay, but to what end? Go get involved with the group specifically and either give your money or give your time or both to actually affect change as opposed to just saying, we want change. We're tired of being tired. about Jimmy Buffett earlier. Get yourself together. Come on now. Friday afternoon, little Buffett, that's how we roll. Until we get to college football season. 
And then we transition to Fight Song Fridays. Yeah. Hey, Dad, do you not like Fight Song Friday? No, I don't like Jimmy Buffett Fridays. Oh, so I, why? I'm a big fan of Fight I'm just, it's just every week. It's the same songs every week. We got to change yeah, it up. The uh, man, the man has a big enough catalog. Let's change it up a little bit. Yeah, we're going to. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm going to challenge Borky. I know this is just what he wants me to publicly challenge him to more work while we are on the air to expand the fight song catalog. I could even help with that. What do you need me to do to help with that? Send me one minute recordings that are one minute. Okay, sixty second recordings that are. He in, tells you to do this, but then the music never makes it into the that are in waveform. So not MP3, not MP3. MP3 will, will be okay, but preferably in wave. Yeah, but wave files are so big they're hard to send. Wait, can I just yeah. upload those to our little uh, the like our inner office? Yeah, Microsoft Teams from CSpire. You could. Yeah, you could. Okay. Uh, and then I will take care of the rest, but I'll have to come up here before or after hours to do it because my day is spent working. So mm-hmm. will you do it though? Will you do it? <laughs> I don't. I don't know if you will or not. Hey, I mean, I, I can delegate my responsibilities I mean, if I, you guys would I, like to open I, up I, more I time. Sent to, you, I sent you a bunch of songs, like, and I, I will happily delegate my ago. responsibilities to enhance the music catalog if you guys would like. I'll put a show together. For a day, if you work on music, uh, that's fine. Sit for a day. <laughs> I can do two hey, days. welcome to the weekend as we roll into the five o'clock hour on Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm. We are glad to have you along. You want to text the show? You can do so. Ceasefire text line 601 879 4395. That's the number 601 879 4395. Be honest, you know your business deserves better, so get better with the Seaspire Business Internet and Phone Bundle backed by Real Support. See how Seaspire can power your success today at cspire.com slash business time right now for the college football fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. For years now, you have heard me say, hey, stop by your local Mississippi Ford dealer and test drive one. Some of you have done just that. Others may still holding out. Give it a try. You're out and about this weekend. You don't have to go buy something. Just go get behind the wheel. Summer sales event going on. Great savings on the full lineup of Ford SUVs. And I would encourage you to try out the F-150. There's a reason that it's the best-selling truck in America, 43 years running. It's because it's the best truck on the road. You will love it if you get behind the wheel. Test drive an F-150 or the vehicle of your choice at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. The SEC has released more game day standards, guidelines, additional game guidelines. This is a follow-up to the initial medical protocols and fan guidelines as the conference continues to monitor developments around COVID-19. There's a quote from the commissioner, but it's you know what you would expect it to be. Uh, he did say that uh, some of these difficult decisions are but a reality of our circumstances, and we will continue to develop and refine policies as we monitor issues related to COVID-19. Essential on-field personnel. 
Essential personnel shall be only individuals who have game day access to field and sideline to include student athletes, coaches and support personnel, game officials, medical personnel, limited institutional personnel, law enforcement, limited number of photographers, and contracted radio TV personnel. Woo-hoo. That's you. And other limited personnel essential to the execution of the game. All individuals with access to the team bench area must participate in the SEC COVID-19 testing protocol. Is that also me? Maybe. Yeah, you're gonna be, you'll be tested for sure. Yeah, you're, you're probably right about that. In football, where stadium capacities are reduced if fan attendance is permitted, the host institution shall provide the visiting institution a minimum of 500 tickets located in the lower level of the stadium. The visiting institution may be provided more or less than 500 tickets upon mutual agreement of both institutions. Bands will be restricted from performing on the field before games and at halftime. Policy will be revised during the year based on developments around COVID. Where stadium capacities are reduced if fan attendance is permitted, visiting team bands and spirit squads shall be prohibited from attending games at SEC stadiums. SEC institutions shall have the discretion on whether their band and or spirit squad attends a conference neutral site game. Which On-field right? performances. Say what? There's only one of those, right? The, the cocktail what it, party. Oh, yeah, it's uh, Florida, Georgia. Yeah. So you can have the home band, but you can't travel a band. Can't right. travel your cheerleaders or your dance team. On-field performances, presentations, and recognitions shall be prohibited, including but not limited to sponsor and donor recognitions and athletic department, student athlete, and team recognitions. Wouldn't you think they would make an exception for senior day at the end of the year? Well, that would be a team recognition, wouldn't it? Prohibited. Oh. Well, All of those things are prohibited. So a lot possibly. of the things that fans don't like when they're at games, because it's like, all right, here's another presentation on the field. Yeah. Th- those are going away. My guess is in, at senior day might just be some sort of video tribute. I don't know. Maybe. Home institutions are required to disinfect home and visiting team spaces prior to each game, utilizing improve, approved disinfectants. Locker rooms, coaches' rooms, training rooms, sidelines, coaches' booths, any additional areas provided to either team. The visiting team shall be allowed to further disinfect its spaces, utilizing approved disinfectants, etc., etc. Um... Press box seating capacity shall be no more than 50% of current seating capacity. All individuals in the press box shall wear a face covering. Required by national, state, and or local guidelines, press box seating capacity shall be less than 50% in accordance with uh, local guidelines. Post-game press conferences will be conducted virtually. There you go. Almost no Any point. Questions? Like, if you're if you're a beat writer, what's the point of going to the game now? I can just get the link and, and do the press conference. I had a conversation with a beat writer for an SEC Eastern Division team earlier this week, and he's like, "I don't think we're going to travel." Yeah, he's like, "I see no reason whatsoever to travel. I'll be able to watch yeah. every game, and, and then just get the link. We're not going to be able to ask questions in person after the game anyway." But it's almost the same for the home games, too. I mean, 
you don't get to go down there and be in the press conference. You just go to the Zoom call. I can do that from my couch just as easily as I could do it from uh, sitting in the Davis Wade press box. Yeah. So what are you going to do? I mean, I don't know how much that decision is mine, but uh, well, I'm sure we'll talk about it here at uh, Super Talk. Yeah. Would your preference be to be at the game in person or just watch it from home? I mean, just watching it from home would be so much more convenient. Plus, I could watch other I, – I would just be at home, you know. Um, I mean, I, and it's, it just depends. If I feel like I can get something extra by being there, to be honest with you, I, I would like to go to the first game, the LSU game, just because it's the first game. And it would, I would feel like, it was, you know, I'm back. We're back doing this. Um, yeah. I might not get that opportunity. Uh, I, might, I might just go down there if I can get one of those 500 tickets. Um, and then uh, the Arkansas game, I'd probably do the first game and then just sort of see how it goes, you know. How did you know? Does it make sense for me to be here? I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, Borky, you cover games from kind of your home man room, like like that's how you you do your Saturdays. And I know yep. in the past, Eli Manning been... can't do that. Nope, and no TV. <laughs> he can't. There. He can only hit golf balls. Actually, you can um, you can also stream video to that great big golf screen oh, simulator that you hit into. But yeah. does he have three of them? Because I got three TVs, all of which under 50 inches, but I've got three of them in there. He's got two right. Super Bowl rings, though, so. Yeah, but. <laughs> but I've got a fish tank, so. Who's <laughs> <laughs> um, really swimming in it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, all I was getting at was. That's the way you have consumed college football for the last couple of years as it pertains to work so that you can watch multiple games. Do you find that you're more productive than the rare, I'm going to go to a game in person? 1,000%, yes. I see so much more and learn so much more at home than I would inside of a stadium. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. That's your college football fix. We'll be right back. Story that grabbed a bunch of traction and then... Kind of stuck with the story, you realize maybe there's not so much here. CBS Sports, Dennis Dodd, I think, was the one that was uh, reporting on this. He got the byline on this story. Uh, and actually, this is a combination of Ben Kershaw and uh, Dennis Dodd. Popped up about five hours ago, so about lunchtime today. Story goes like this As pressure continues to mount on the Big Ten's decision makers for pulling the plug on fall football, another option has been brought to the table by the league's coaches. The Big Ten is considering a schedule that would start Thanksgiving week as one of numerous options for when to begin playing college football again. That's according to a league source talking to CBS. There are several ideas being kicked around within the conference, according to Dennis Dodd, not all of them involving a start before January. League sources now seem to be making accommodation for potential earlier starts in 2020 if there is what was termed an overnight change surrounding medical conditions. Big Ten coaches came up with a Thanksgiving idea, which would begin an eight-game season played by the league. That was first reported by Jeff Patrickus of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. So we've seen a bunch of different ideas, and clearly athletics directors and coaches in the Big Ten talked about this. Problem is the coaches and the athletic directors aren't the ones, not only are they not the ones that make the decision, 
they were excluded from the calls between Kevin Warren, the president, I'm sorry, the commissioner of the Big Ten, and the presidents that actually make the decisions. And I heard a conversation with uh, an interview with Ross Dellinger earlier today where they were asking, hey, are they about to do this? And he said, no, they're not. They have no authority to do this whatsoever. doesn't matter how bad they want it. The president's made the decision, along with the commissioner. And we got the release, was it end of last week or beginning of this week, where they said, it, we're, we're not changing our minds. We're not going back and changing the decision. So why did this get so much traction? Is it blowback? Is it the, you know, maybe this is tinfoil hat, black helicopter stuff, but if their attorney argued yesterday that the correspondence between the league and the schools being unsealed would be damaging to the league, maybe it would be a concession to avoid having that get out. Maybe there's something really bad in there. I mean, I mean who knows, right? It, the, the secret nature of their correspondence is alarming. And then the next day it's, well, actually, you can play this fall. Well, I mean, then what are you hiding from everybody? For, for me, I'm just excited from a medical point of view that myocarditis will be cured in November. I didn't know that was going to happen, but evidently hmm. that's going to be the case. And we don't have to worry about that anymore because the Big Ten's playing football possibly in November. I, I I still don't think they'll change it because going back to what we said, you know, I said last week, the egos are just they're just too big at this point. Um, but it's very obvious that this was. It just goes back to the whole thing. They didn't have to cancel. They could have just said, "We're going to wait a little longer. We're going to wait a little longer, see what happens." Yeah. And make and but they that they decided to just you know, we're the Big Ten and we run college football and we're going to do what we want to do, and they did it. And then they were like, "All right, everybody, jump in the boat." And the Pac-12 got in, and the rest of us looked at them like they were a bunch of idiots. Which, yeah. at this point, that's pretty much what they look like. I do think Gene Smith, the athletics director at Ohio State, confirmed um, that there had been some conversation about starting Thanksgiving week. And I'm not so sure that that's a terrible idea. I, I, I am kind of confused as to what they think they might accomplish by that other than playing because I don't think they wouldn't, wouldn't be, be hard get... for them to play enough games quickly enough to potentially have no. somebody for the college football playoff? No chance of that happening. So maybe the, the only thing that they would gain is they could finish the season before the end of the year or a reasonable enough time frame that they could have a fall, a full fall season next year and not feel like they're jeopardizing player safety at that point. It would save 2021. Yeah, that, that, that's, that, that's correct, yeah. It, that but, makes sense. And then you have the people that have sent us the joke, and I've seen it everywhere, that everything will be cured after November 3rd. Well, I mean... Maybe. But but that kind of seals it, doesn't it? Because I, I've seen multiple people say today the, the driving point or point behind the Big Ten's growing optimism to start the season this fall is because the numbers are looking good and we have new testing that's more accessible. Well, that's why you should have waited a few weeks. I mean, now, I mean, honestly, what is the difference between October 3rd and Thanksgiving week? 
What's what's the difference, honestly? And in terms of making the decision, Michael, what what was the difference between when they made it and today? Yeah. Today would have been a lot better idea. Especially since they're letting their players still train. I mean, they're probably not in game shape. They're still practicing 12 hours a week. Yeah. So you could make a call, hey, you know what? Things look good. Better anyway. October 3rd. Get your teams ready to play October 3rd. They could do that literally today. Sure. But they're not going to. They're not going to do that. Kevin Warren has told us that we're not changing the decision. Big Ten presidents aren't changing the decision. Because they don't have the overwhelming medical evidence to override the decision that they made on August the 11th, 17 days ago. But they have the medical evidence to say that Thanksgiving weekend could be a possibility. Hmm. Yeah. Richard, I'm no detective, but I feel like somebody might be not be telling us the whole truth on this situation. You think? I, I you know, don't, don't swear me in on that. But. David and Socher on the C Spire text line. Heard you guys were invited to the aquarium today until Richard started getting his fishing gear together. <laughs> <laughs> that was really cool. Um, Grand opening of the uh, the aquarium in Gulfport happening. Uh, had Paul there this morning, and uh, I believe the JT show was there, and Ricky Matthews. So uh, a really cool celebration for, I mean, I, I have heard that it is spectacular My and can't aquariums. wait to see that going forward. My kids love aquariums, and actually I do too, so I'll, uh, we'll, be, we'll be headed down there soon probably. Don't be lazy, hey, Dad. Cover the darn game like a man. Didn't say darn. I mean, women cover the games, too. What are we talking about here? Oh, don't be that guy. With that guy, I will be that guy. Richard and Wiggins says, hey, Dad, sit on the couch, smoke lasagna on the grill. <laughs> it is lasagna weekend at the Hey, Dad house. So. Is it? I haven't asked yeah. yet. Yeah. Didn't you do that like a couple of weeks ago? No, I did it like... Back, you know, it, it feels ago. like a couple. It feels like a couple of weeks because of this this situation that we're in. It was like back in in like late March, I want to say. Big Ten is trying to cover their butt. That lawsuit being filed in Nebraska is the reason. Possible. I do wonder if I mean, there's something they don't want to get out in the course. It's that. It's that, and it's the. Uh, the, the the Big Ten United, Pac-12 United stuff. It's not medical. It's not. I, I'm not a conspiracy theory kind of guy, the but I'm buying is. this one. I'm buying yeah. that one for sure. Yeah, Jason has pointed out to us, and, and I think it's a good point, that when you look at hot spots on the West Coast, Arizona, California, Seattle are some of those hot spots. Southern California, where USC and UCLA Reside Northern California, where you got Sanford and Cal, Arizona, where you got Arizona and Arizona State, separated by about oh ninety or a hundred miles, however far it is from Tempe to Tucson, and then of course Washington and Seattle. But if you look at the data points, things are getting a little bit better in Arizona. They're getting a little bit better in California. They're getting a little bit better in the Pacific Northwest. Just saying. Scary Gary sends us a message. He says the aquarium's got some big catfish and big bass in the freshwater exhibit, and the three-story saltwater tank is pretty cool, too. I bet it is. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. Mm-hmm. 
just an excuse to go down to the coast and eat, you know, Mississippi Gulf Coast uh, food. So that, that's all I really, I really want. Well, you're not going to be able to take your wife, though, are you? You do that? I mean, we'll, we'll Sh- find a place. Just have to be you and the girls. We'll have to find a place that serves a steak, too. I'm sure we can do it. Going to a bachelor party down on the coast here in a few weeks, and I keep telling people, I've only spent a handful of weekends down there. I think the Mississippi Gulf Coast is the most underrated like hangout spot for a weekend in the entire southeast. I love like it eat, down oh, there, man. Only if you like to eat, drink, and gamble. Seriously, right? Play golf, If you don't too. like to do like, those things, it's no good. And the fishing's good. I, I mean, yeah. it, nobody talks about it, but man, like a weekend in Biloxi or, or anywhere down there is awesome. It's just because the beach is, the water's not blue. If the water was blue, it would be the most underrated place ever. Or even a nice, beautiful emerald, yeah. kind of a clear emerald green. Yeah, something like that. 30 minutes left with you, Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll try not to be too heavy in the last half hour. Ernestine in Biloxi tells us if you go to the south side of Cat Island, the water is just like that in Florida. Totally awesome. Isn't that the place where you can take a, a ferry? And it's basically uninhabited, but it's just a big, nice beach that you can do whatever you want on. Aren't there multiple barrier islands off the Mississippi Gulf Coast? Yeah. Yeah. Horn Island, I think, is the most famous or the most talked about. Right. I don't know that area particularly well. Uh, Somebody said, why isn't the water around Biloxi, uh, Biloxi blue or green like the Florida area water? It's because of those islands. The islands and is some of it proximity to the Mississippi River? That, that and that's that's and I'm not going to get into the specifics of it because I certainly don't know them all. But the 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 overwhelming story would be the islands sort of trap in some of the outflow of the Mississippi River. Yeah, Richard and Wiggins says Ship Island. Yeah. So. Uh, there we go. Quinn was giving us a uh, a recommendation, a uh, a food recommendation. That's Fatties. Hey, oh, it's a restaurant. <laughs> Come on, man. Jeez. <laughs> you want to be part of the conversation, you can do so on the C Spire text line. You know that by now. The number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Major League Baseball happening right now. Not looking good for the boys in pinstripes. They begin their series with the Yankees. Uh, I'm sorry, with the Mets today. Yankees have lost five in a row. They led 4 nothing in the game today against the Mets. Batting with one out in the bottom of the seventh. Yankees trail by two to six to four. Mets leading it over the Yankees. Uh, also, Baltimore and Toronto are underway, and that game is in Buffalo. Big slate of MLB. Uh, a couple of games postponed. Minnesota Detroit has been postponed. Uh, both games of the doubleheader. Atlanta is at Philadelphia. Game two of the doubleheader with the Yankees and the Mets. Uh, get started a little bit later this evening. And let's see what else is happening this weekend in Major League Baseball. You get the Royals and the White Sox, Cubs and the Reds, 
Rays and Marlins, Nats and Red Sox, Dodgers and Rangers, Pirates and Brewers, Indians, Cardinals, Padres, Rockies, uh, the A's are in Houston to take on the Astros, Giants, Diamondbacks, Mariners, Angels, Twins, Tigers is a... Okay, that's the doubleheader that we're talking about. has been postponed. It had the G-Men in uh, Arizona. 15 yeah. and 18. They're not bad. They're not They're not terrible. And they'll miss Bumgarner. He's uh, rehabbing, so doesn't have to go up against his former team just yet. So, CBS has released a best team in every state list, primarily based on results from last year and what's returning. You go to the state of, oh, how about this? State of Arkansas. Best team in the state of Arkansas? Arkansas State. Arkansas State. Yeah. Arkansas has eight wins over the last three seasons, including back-to-back two-win seasons under the recently departed Chad Morris. That isn't just bad. It's terrible. Are the Red Wolves a Sunbelt juggernaut? Not really. Haven't won 10 games since 2012, coming off a 7-5 and five season. That's enough to take home the honors, though. Maybe the two teams should play each other, heads up, and settle this thing once and for all. That's what Barrett Salee writes at uh, CBS Sports. Best team in the state of Connecticut. Is Dartmouth in Connecticut? I don't know. Yale. <laughs> nice. Barrett writes, the options here are UConn, Yale, Central Connecticut, and Sacred Heart. <laughs> UConn has been brutal in recent years, so eliminate it. That brings us down to the FCS where Yale gets a slight edge over Central Connecticut. Both had one regular season loss last year. Central Connecticut lost in the first round of the FCS playoffs. Uh, Yale put up 40 or more points in seven games and 50 or more in its final three. Um, we go to the state of Mississippi. And Mississippi State is the answer. Barrett writes, Ole Miss receiver Elijah Moore pretended to pee like a dog after a touchdown in the waning seconds of last season's Egg Bowl. The extra point was missed. The Bulldogs celebrated a rivalry game win in the college football landscape, and the state has been changed forever. Could first-year Ole Miss coach Lane Kiffin take the title back from first-year Mississippi State coach Mike Leach? Maybe. But clang those cowbells for now. That's fair. That is fair. I I wish he had said urination simulation, but I'll take what I can get. See if there are any other uh, New Jersey. So is it not Rutgers? Monmouth. <laughs> he says, "Look at the Monmouth Hawks <laughs> winning eleven games in the Big South title while making it to the second round of the FCS playoffs in 2019." Monmouth Princeton has also been consistently very good out of the Ivy League. Meanwhile, Rutgers improved to two wins last year after winning just one game the year hold, before. Hold, hold, That's from Ben Kershaw. Hold on, hold on. Monmouth is in New Jersey, but plays in the Big South? Yeah, man. Come on now. You know that doesn't matter. Come on down, Ohio State. Bring them on into the SEC. What did you call it the other day, Borky? You had on like the Super Elite the Conference. Super Elite Conference. Yeah. <laughs> the branding stays the We same. can bring Nebraska, too. I mean, look, Nebraska brings a lot of fan base in a really sweet stadium. I don't know anything about Lincoln, but the stadium is beautiful. And they're not really very good. So it's one of those games that you can feel good about winning because you're doing it in front of 100,000 people. 
But they're not going to like add additional challenge to your schedule. Hmm. They're like Texas A&M. And I mean, this is the year for the Aggies. They're not even like Texas A&M because I mean yeah. A&M has a gigantic recruiting base in state to, to choose from, and Nebraska doesn't. They don't. North Carolina. Anybody want to guess? Fighting Longos. It's got to be right. Barrett writes, North Carolina's on the rise, but that rise included a 34-31 home loss to Appalachian State early last year. Mountaineers have nine or more wins in five straight seasons. Did so last year after hiring, oh, yeah. uh, hiring Eli uh, Drinkwitz to his first head coaching job. Drinkwitz was one and done, so let's see if that consistency stays in place with Sean Clark running things. Appalachian State, best team in the state of North Carolina. I can get behind that. They had, they had an SEC win, too, last year. They beat South Carolina. Didn't Eli Drinkwitz forget to change the conference name of his welcoming speech yes. in Missouri? Yeah, yeah. He delivered basically the same speech and forgot to alter the conference name. Whoops! Just had that file on the computer and hit print and then forgot to... Yeah. Which I'm okay with. I mean, coaches don't need to be sitting down writing speeches, so if he had one written, whatever, use it again. It's the same stuff that you would always say, but... Talk about Best it. team... In the state of Tennessee, is it is it your Memphis Tigers? Dun 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 dun. dun. Richard is Ten- he is dragging the Memphis bandwagon this year. Tennessee won six straight games to close the season, and then watched Memphis play in the Cotton Bowl <laughs> as the Group of Five's best team. Those Tigers haven't finished with fewer than eight wins since 2013. No doubt Jeremy Pruitt's Vols are on the rise, but until they become even an ancillary part of the national conversation, Tennessee is a tiger state. Ooh, that's brutal. Texas. State of Texas. Best team in the state of Texas. <sighs> I don't think he's Ben Kershavler writes Baylor. Baylor? Even after that? They, they had some big losses. I don't know. He says Texas was hard because of how many teams are spread over different leagues. Winners here tend to be more of the year-to-year variety. It's doubtful Baylor will be the best team in the state in 2020, but it went 3-0 and against other Texas-based Big 12 teams and made the conference championship game last year. Bears also won three more games against other Texas-based opponents. SMU has a case as well after winning 10 games a year ago, but the overall consistency hasn't been there. A&M had a ludicrous schedule but didn't beat any of its notable opponents in the regular season. And one year after making the Big 12 title game, Texas took a step back. It's Baylor for now, but this state is as fluid as any. That's what the kids call it, evidently. Vermont does not have a Division I college football team. In Virginia, it is Virginia. See Keithon Thompson lost that on the uh, starting job there? I did see that. Yeah. Who beat him out? Uh, whoever the incumbent, not the incumbent, but the guy who was there. I think his name was Brandon Armstrong or Brennan Armstrong or something like that. Yeah, is it... Um, maybe he's just not good enough to be a starter at the Division One level. I mean at the, at the FBS level. At the Power 5 level. Great athlete, but he's just not an accurate passer. It's just that so. Sports Talk Mississippi.
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.